Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. You're fired. Welcome to R.I. Free Radio Wrestling Talk. That was Kane's theme. And a little bit later on, we'll be talking about all things Kane and The Undertaker, or Undertaker and Kane, I should say, the Brothers of Destruction. I would have opened it up with a tag team theme, but in doing my research, the only theme they had together as a team was actually rolling with a little bit of uh, Kane's theme at the beginning, which 
I don't think I'll be playing any Limp Bizkit. We, we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I would like to just uh, just to mention one of our other hosts here. I would say hearing Limp Bizkit on this show would be about as likely as hearing Journey on Chuckles Crypt, yeah. which is to say it's not going to happen. Uh, so I am Mike Dickerson, and with me I've got George Garner. Good evening. Across the table from me, I have got the AWL ringside powerbomb Hall of Famer. Number one, USWF world champion of all time, and the mega, ultra, super, super duper, RIP Radio Wrestling Talk world heavyweight champion of the universe, Blackjack Charlie. Thank you, man. I appreciate you playing Kane's music. How did you know he was my favorite wrestler? Because uh, you told me. <laughs> oh, okay. I also have um, a special version of Undertaker's theme that I'm going to get to later on, um, but that's later on. And I've also got at the soundboard Tony Jones. If you play Limp Biscuit, I'm gonna have to take off my pants and show you all my Limp Biscuit. <laughs> I'll pass on that. <laughs> all right. Um, before we get back, get into the Undertaker and Kane stuff, though, I do want to open up talking about some more recent stuff. Uh, WWE had their Super Showdown show from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I can already see Blackjack shaking his head. Uh, that was last Thursday. They were a Thursday show, uh, and of course that featured. Goldberg defeating Bray Wyatt in pretty close to record time. Go ahead. I see you want to say something. He, he doesn't just want to say something. He wants to do something, which is I'm going to back off a little. I want to collapse the skull of the person that thought this was a good idea, Vince McMahon, <laughs> to take a character that they worked so hard on building up and the WWE Universe actually loves this character and crushing him with a... 50-year-old man that can't even put him up for a damn jackhammer. I know, that looked pretty pathetic. But hey, it's WrestleMania season. Got to dig out all the old-timers. Well, they think they got to dig out all the old-timers. Yeah, that's the key there, they think. Yeah, and Vince McMahon's not thinking. And the thing, too, is everyone that's watching WrestleMania, pretty much, at least everyone in America, is watching it on the WWE Network. So it's not like they're charging, you know, the $50, $100 or whatever it was towards the end for each person each time. It's right. like if you've got the network, you're seeing it. Right. Maybe that's why he's going with the um, half-assed Goldberg then. They uh, don't want to pay us their $50 for the show, then we're not giving them a $50 show. Well, and the thing, too, with Goldberg is when he made his return on SmackDown, it did pop the ratings a little, but still, I don't agree with putting so many part-timers in the main events for WrestleMania. And speaking of part-timers, we also had Brock Lesnar pretty much squishing Ricochet uh, in his WWE title match. Uh, But at least with Brock, I'm sure he's going to put over Drew McIntyre, which is going to be a good thing to move the title to a new star. With Goldberg, it's going to be himself uh, basically coronating Roman Reigns for probably about the 78th time (laughs) at WrestleMania as the new top. Nobody cares. Yeah. That's the one thing, like, I like Roman, he's a good wrestler and everything, but Vince, yeah, he's got kind of a hard-on for him that just won't go away. Uh, Also had, speaking of someone who we'll be talking about later, The Undertaker as a surprise entrance in, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, the cup match. (laughs) Uh, Some kind of Saudi Arabian word was um, Talik or Tweek or whatever, I don't even know. I tried to try and pronounce it, but I won't try and pronounce it again. Uh, he was the surprise entrant. Rey Mysterio was supposed to be the last entrant, but Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows kicked his ass in the back, and then Undertaker kicked their ass in the back and came out, beating AJ Styles at the end. And again, like, un- 
I do love Undertaker, obviously, and I'm hoping this is going to lead to AJ beating him at WrestleMania because at this point, Undertaker's lost twice at WrestleMania. He can. But he beat AJ once again pretty much in record time. He didn't even take his hat or his coat off. So, <laughs> yeah. There was actually um, a really funny photo that I posted up on uh, our RF Radio Wrestling Talk uh, Facebook page, I should say, with Goldberg and Taker and Vince is there as well, and Brock and Cena with their heads posted on a bunch of old people's bodies stretching, the WrestleMania roster stretching for their big day. Well, is AJ Styles under some kind of Vince McMahon punishment or something? No. I think it's just with him, he's so good that he can take the losses and it won't hurt him. You know, I don't know if you ever want to... It just took so long for someone to notice that in his career. Yeah. yeah. That's a bad thing. Is He's on the viral of his wrestling. He's not an up-and-coming rookie. Yeah, that's the one thing we're open to pushing guys who aren't quite as big. You see, for instance, where if this was 10 or if they were, they'd be in the cruiserweight division basically being jobbers. Yeah, but AJ Styles will get a push now, not because they're pushing smaller guys or not because they're pushing less... No, the only reason they're pushing AJ Styles is because the nostalgia value. No, I wouldn't say that. I would say it's because he is just that good in the ring. I'd actually probably rank him. Right, but like you just said yourself, I mean, ten years ago, if he was that, he was better than he was now in the ring. Yeah, but they they weren't as open to pushing smaller guys, no matter how good they are. I mean, look how long another one. Look how long it took Daniel Bryan to get in there, and it took him a while before. He got the traction to really get going as a true top guy as well. But you're, So you're saying that they are, that's a real thing, that they are just more open to pushing the small guys. Yeah, although not as much. If you're bigger, you're always going to have a better chance. But if you see guys like that, even guys like Ricochet, he's doing all right, although not so much right now after getting squashed by Brock. But there's a few guys from that cruiserweight bracket. Uh, mm-hmm. Look at Buddy Murphy, who's doing good with Seth Rollins as another, uh, for instance. So they are a little bit more open, but if you're a larger guy, I mean, at least as far as long as Vince is in charge, you know, and even probably with Triple H, even though he is one of the ones opening the door for smaller guys, he's another bodybuilding fan. So, I mean, muscles will probably always sell. Uh, Another show from last Saturday, AEW Revolution. Uh, We actually have another new champion, although this one's a lot better. John Moxley is the new AEW champion, defeating Chris Jericho in the main event of that show. The show also featured the Young Bucks losing a title opportunity to Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, which I haven't seen the show because parting with $50 for a pay-per-view yeah, in this rough. day and age yeah, is a little bit rough. But uh, from what I hear, that is being talked about as being one of the greatest tag matches of all time, which I know uh, Blackjack's not the biggest Young Bucks fan, but... For me, with those four guys, I could see that being true. Uh, They also announced, although they can't use the name for it, they announced that they're going to be bringing back a War Games match, uh, an actual real War Games match, two rings with the cage with the top, not to be confused with the NXT War Games match with the open top, which, yeah, it's cool if guys can jump off the top rope and stuff or jump off the top of the cage, but for tradition, I just love the old War Games. And even if they can't use the actual name, it's still very fitting because Dusty Rhodes, the father of Cody, is actually the one who came up with the original uh, War Games concept. And uh, I also saw that Cody, he's trademarking whatever old WCW terms he can get his hands on that WWE doesn't own just to kind of piss them off a little <laughs> bit. Which for, is, for example? 
Bash at the Beach, for instance, which they actually used for I, a couple of their shows. I don't think anybody needs to be reminded of Bash at the Beach. They were actually pretty good shows. Uh, the first, It was a two-part show. The first one was at a regular arena, and mm. then the second one was actually on Chris Jericho's uh, cruise that he did. Right. I'm, what I mean is that nobody needs to be reminded at this late date of the WCW Bashes at the Beach. I don't know. I got to disagree with you on that. One of the most... Uh, Controversial turns was at Bash at the Beach. Hulk Hogan, NWO. Yep, Hulk Hogan turning heel. Hulk, although not as popular, not as good, but Hulk Hogan leaving WCW after getting screwed over uh, by Vince Russo. That was Bash. Yes, was uh, Bash at the Beach. Yeah, I believe two thousand, either ninety nine or two thousand. Okay, maybe I'll. Be generous enough to say maybe I'm thinking of another event that just turned my stomach. Well, I know one of the bashes, bash at the beaches, did feature a street fight where one of the public enemy guys sold getting hit by an inflatable shark. So yeah. that's kind of uh, that know. rings. Ah, okay, yeah, no, uh, I can't defend. And what was it? A bash at the beach? Before we wrap this up, was it a bash at the beach where they had all the bikers surrounding no, the ring? That was Road Wild. Okay. I apologize to Bash at the Beach. That was the one that yeah. never should have happened. Road Wild, which was originally the first year, was Hog Wild, although Harley Davidson sued them for the use of the word hog, so they had to change it in subsequent years to Road Wild. Yeah, that was basically the one where all the bikes were surrounding the ring, and yep. they had no knowledge of wrestling, so they just right. booed and cheered whoever they thought looked cool. <laughs> but hey, it was an Eric Bischoff idea. He's a biker, so gotta you know got to get them bikes in there. So, speaking a little bit of AEW, moving on, someone who might be going there pretty soon, although we don't really know where he's going to end up, but he did announce that he's, his contract with WWE is up, and he is going to be a free agent, Matt Hardy, which I know Blackjack uh, mentioned to me earlier, he could see him going back to TNA. I personally, I'd like to see him in AEW. I think he'd be a really good fit. Uh, another one they just signed a, a week or two ago, Luke Harper who will likely be going by his old name pre-WWE, which would be Brody Lee, which he has copyright, copyrighted or whatever. Uh, they also just announced Colt Cabana, who had a small stint in WWE as Scotty Goldman a few years back. He'll be coming in, and he's really one of the top comedy wrestlers. He's been wrestler in ROH for a long time. Uh, he's been on the new NWA Power show. And I think he's really going to help out uh, with some of the lighter side of AEW. I'd love to see him against Orange Cassidy, for instance. That would be amazing. And I think with that signing, I think this is what I was thinking the next show will be. But with that signing, it kind of puts it over the edge. I think next time we're here, we'll talk about the sillier side of the ring. We'll talk about, you know, your Colt Cabanas and your Orange Cassidy's. And we'll go back to, like, the early 90s and all that stuff and just all the crazy characters and comedy gimmicks, the good, the bad, the so bad they're good, <laughs> the so bad they're probably going to be digging up repressed memories from some people, but all of them. Uh, and also, AEW signed another one which could be a good impact. It could make a good impact. Lance Archer, who was Vance Archer for a very short time in WWE. He was also Lance Hoyt in TNA, where he made a much bigger, no pun intended, impact. Uh, but best known for being in New Japan, teaming with Davey Boy Smith Jr., uh, also known as Harry Smith, or the son of the original Dave, uh, the original British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, who himself, the Bulldog, 
maybe going in the WWE Hall of Fame. We'll move on to this himself, uh, JBL, and actually Jushin Thunder Liger are rumored as potential inductees this year. Although a couple of new inductees that I don't feel deserve to be in there uh, already announced the Bella Twins, which, yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Although the other three I definitely could see going in there. Liger, uh, he only had the one match in WWE, but he's a big enough star that I think he could yeah, definitely but, deserve but it. But he was a huge star in WCW. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, they own WCW. Yeah. So. It is... Um, it is not really so much a WWE Hall of Fame at this point. It's more of a wrestling Hall of Fame with the people they like, the people yeah. that put. Uh, and one more thing before we head down to the music, I do want to give a plug for our good friends, uh, the Chuckles and Laugh Show, and their figure federation that they're doing, which basically, if you're up there on the Chuckles Crypt Facebook page, you can see that doing all kinds of cool matches with different action figures, not just wrestling, though. They've got uh, zombie Brock Lesnar, who beat up Lenny the Loon last week with a paint stir, which was pretty hilarious. Uh, and I believe Lenny's uh, getting a little uh, tuck-in kind of surgery snip down it, there. Snip, snip and tuck. Yeah, so he's yeah. not going to be at the next one. But uh, next one is going to feature zombie Brock Lesnar versus Captain America. And it's a pretty cool little thing that they're doing over there. Uh, if you're up there on that group, I definitely suggest checking out and voting as well for the future winners. Because even though it is figures, it is a lot uh, to do with wrestling because a lot of them are wrestling figures and they're wrestling each other in a wrestling ring. But uh, they've got, they had Raphael from the Ninja Turtles taking on Bowser last time. They've had Skeletor taking on Aliens. Uh, where he basically, Skeletor, made Beastman do most of his legwork, but still, it was a pretty intriguing matchup. And I think a lot of us in our heads, a lot of us wrestling fans, we think of these what-ifs. You know, what if this guy from Ninja Turtles took on a wrestler? What would actually happen? And he's right. We really do think of these things. Yeah. And I know... Way uh, too much. I know a lot of us in this room have, when we were little, we had our own figure feds as well. And not so little. If, yeah. If, if, if little, you mean 35, then yeah. yes. <laughs> well, I'm 36 now, and I'm helping out with the figure <laughs> fat. So I happen to know the person across the table from me um, is uh, is uh, Buddy, I'll say, Chuckles the Clown, is the hundreds and hundreds of years old. So, yeah, and he's still beating or playing with the toys. That's why he still watches stuff on VHS. Yeah. No, that was uh, the Detect No Face guy, <laughs> uh, uh, which I'm giving a l another little plug before we go to the music to the Chuckles Crypt, which we just um, just had uh, just previous to this show, talking about new video games of next year or this year, which I suggest you check out in the archives. That was a really good show, although that Detect No Face guy is a little annoying. I got to say one more wrestling thing before we go to the music. I was able to find the Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim at Cumbies, and it's pretty huge. Um, I actually was snacking on it all throughout listening to that previous show, and I still got a little left, so yeah, yeah snap into it if you can find it, which I've only been able to find it once. So anyways, with that, let's head down to a little music. Um, so we're going to be talking about Undertaker and Kane, and that's kind of wrestling's most creepiest family. But when you think of creepy families, and I know Blackjack will appreciate this one as well, 
you think of the Adams family. So let's play a little MC Hammer, <laughs> Adams Groove, on RAFreeradio.org. Back here on RI Free Radio Wrestling Talk on RIFreeRadio.org, and that was MC Hammer with Adam's Groove. And the look on George's face when I announced that was 
pretty priceless. Uh, he's actually just getting back right now. I think he had to run out. He hasn't to, been uh, the same since. I think he had to run out to uh, vomit or possibly also vomit I, out his ass. Also, I wouldn't attack you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. I thought the uh, the um, song was so nauseating well, to Well, it did raise my nausea level yeah. about five points. I thought yes. it may have actually literally made you sick. <laughs> who, who blew through all their money more quickly, MC Hammer or Mike Tyson? Ooh, I don't know about that one. Probably Hammer, I would say. Um, I got to say one thing before we get back to the wrestling. You did come up, Mr. Jones did come up with um, something kind of funny right uh, during the song. Because MC Hammer, he promotes stuff on commercials now. It's too bad he's not promoting the coronavirus because you can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give credit to Tony on that one. That was pretty funny. All right, so let's get into a little bit of the main theme, The Undertaker and Kane. Even before the two of them uh, faced off in WWF, they actually faced off once, I do want to mention, in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, under or Glenn Jacobs was wrestling as Unabomb, not to be confused with the guy that actually mailed you know, bombs in the mail. But, and he actually looked a lot like Psycho Sid in that match, which I thought, which I thought was pretty funny. But Undertaker defeated him. And Undertaker's actually one of the ones that put in the good word for him. Uh, of course, Kane had had a couple of failed gimmicks. He'd been Isaac Yankum, DDS. He'd been the fake Diesel. And Undertaker's one of the guys that was pushing for him to come back and actually get a shot with an actual good gimmick. And the original origins of the Kane gimmick, he was the brother of the Undertaker. He was believed to have been killed in a fire, which killed the parents of the Undertaker in kayfabe. They're not really, or they probably are dead by now, but in kayfabe, Kane, as well as the parents, perished in a fire, which originally Paul Bear was blaming on Undertaker. And originally he was saying, I will say, uh, I will tell everyone your darkest secret if you don't allow, allow me to manage you again, because this is after Paul Bear had turned on Undertaker and aligned with Mankind Invader. So he was the manager again for Undertaker for a little while, but eventually Taker had enough of Bear's BS, his bullying and everything, and broke free, which led to uh, Bear announcing, He's alive! Kane is alive! You're a little brother! To the shock of Undertaker and to the shock of everyone who no one knew what Kane was. And in kayfabe until then, Paul Bear had been just a manager that was put with the Undertaker by Brother Love back in the early days of the Undertaker right. gimmick. So now they're saying they've got a whole big backstory together. Kane, he originally came in. He originally came in attacking various jobbers, uh, including young Hardy Boys, as well as Too Cool and various other jobbers. He actually, um, he attacked Crush the night after the Montreal Screwjob because Crush was leaving. Which was in kayfabe, Crush, the big scary biker guy who had been in demolition, uh, was so scared of Kane that he left the WWF. <laughs> scared him right out the door. Yes. And the poor um, disciples of Apocalypse had to carry on without him for a little while before that gimmick was shelved. Uh, originally, Undertaker was saying, I'm not going to fight my flesh and blood. I will not fight my brother Kane. However, he, of course, Undertaker, he had the casket match with Shawn Michaels at Royal Rumble 98, the same one that led to Shawn Michaels having to take four years off from wrestling from taking that very awkward bump over the top rope and landing his back on the edge of the casket. It was actually 
uh, Kane who helped Shawn Michaels win that match then. Kane set the casket ablaze <laughs> with the Undertaker inside. Although, uh, the Undertaker is magic because when they opened it up, he was not in there anymore. He disappeared. And I don't think he floated up to the rafters like he did a few years prior at Royal Rumble in Providence. Um, don't get me thinking about that either. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that wasn't the WWF's finest moment. No, it there. wasn't. Uh, but, hey, he can fly. He can create lightning bolts. He can disappear. He's a real magic guy. I don't know why he doesn't just zap everyone with his lightning bolts during his matches, but I guess that would be a disqualification. <laughs> so that was what actually led to him saying, you know what, I'm going to fight Kane. And it ended up being at WrestleMania 14, which was um, also the same night where Steve Austin won the WWF title from Shawn Michaels, leading to him officially being off TV or officially being, quote, retired, end quote, for about four years which is really like the big show that really kick-started. It had been going on for a little while before that, but this was really what put the Attitude Era into high gear, this show. And it was also the show where Kane attacked Pete Rose for the first time. <laughs> so before all this, um, this heated blood feud between these brothers who one of them was supposedly dead due to the other one's hands because it came out later on that Undertaker was the one that set the fire, which obviously Kane would have known in his mind. So this blood feud, this attempted murder feud between brothers, before that, you got to have one of the guys um, tombstone a baseball guy because, hey, why not? Why not? And why not reboot The Undertaker's origin? Yeah. I mean, because there was no way to square those two different origin no. stories, right, at all. What's even worse is now they're acknowledging uh, Kane as Glenn Jacobs as the mayor, and they're acknowledging him having had a wrestling career before the WWF and all that stuff. Right. They even did the interview on the Stone Cold Broken Skull Ranch, which was really good, where he goes back into detail talking about his life prior to WWE and meeting up with The Undertaker and everything like that, meeting him before being in WWE. So I think um, at this point, kayfabe is basically out the window for yeah, all that which, stuff. Which in this case, I mean, because I really had a hard time buying the Kane returning it as his brother and the mm -hmm. and Undertaker setting the fire, you know, yeah, it, it just it was such a break because I mean, I'm not I'm not obsessive about continuity. Yeah, but but the backstory they had given the Undertaker mm -hmm. was so awesome in the yeah. first place. Like, why mess with yeah, it? Why blow that up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it proves that. Yeah. In the early 90s, there's a lot of goofy stuff, but that stuff did not stop in the Attitude Era. I think a lot of people look at the Attitude Era with more rose colored glasses than, say, the early 90s the new generation or the ass end of the Hogan era. But mm, the silliness didn't really stop. Well, it, the, yeah, but it cha it morphed, yeah. I guess you would say. Another, I, I mean, I don't like... Well, being a little bit older, yeah. see, the reason I can say that I'm not looking at the Attitude Era with rose-colored glasses is because it wasn't really my era. I yeah. grew up previously. I grew up at the end of the Bob Backlund era into the Hulk Hogan era. So that should have been... My prefer, you know, oh, that yeah. was the best of all time. Yeah, it wasn't. The Attitude Era was the best of all time, and it wasn't that they gave up all the silliness because, like, you're 100 percent. They didn't. You're 100 percent right. What they did though is they brought the audience into the silliness. In other yeah. words, they didn't insult our intelligence anymore. Or that, as that was the difference. In other words, they didn't bring Kerry Von Erich, who we just finished watching in the NWA, and say, "Oh, th this is the Texas tornado." Yeah, you know things like that. <laughs> you know. 
That that's, is, that's what they stopped doing. That is part of the reason why Kane had a mask, too. So you wouldn't say, oh, that's Isaac Yankum. Yankum. Or that's the fake Diesel. Right. Which he actually would probably get recognized more for that since he probably looked just like that at that point without the mask. <laughs> Although the original character drawings, which I, they did show on that Broken Skull um, sessions with Steve Austin, originally he wasn't supposed to have a mask. Originally, and he actually did wear it at least once. The Kane character was supposed to come to the ring with a cape. And the original theory was, or the original explanation was going to be that he's burnt, disfigured. Although, if he didn't have the mask, how would you pull that off? But he is overcompensating it. And in his mind, he's a superhero. He's got to do good. Although, in reality, he's doing bad. But in his mind, it's good. So, he's kind of um, wearing a cape and everything to overcompensate that. Thankfully... They didn't really go in that direction. Yeah. Although there are photos out there of him in the cape, so he did wear it, possibly on a house show at least once. But I got to say one more thing about the Attitude Era and the pre-Attitude Era. Myself, I grew up at the right time to be very nostalgic for WWF in the 90s into the early 2000s because for me, I was a little kid, like seven or eight years old during the end of the Hulkamania era. So all that cartoony stuff, you know, that was just a continuation of Saturday morning cartoons for me, right. which literally I would watch the Saturday morning cartoons up until it was time for like wrestling challenge. And then I'd switch from that to like superstars of wrestling. <laughs> so it was just a continuation. But then just as I'm becoming a teenager, now suddenly there's all hot chicks running around half naked. There's this guy flipping everyone off, kicking his boss's ass. you got beer. guys fight. May Young yeah. running around half naked. Oh. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But you got guys setting each other on fire and all that stuff. So for like someone who's just becoming a teenager, it's like, yeah, this is pretty awesome. Wrestling's cool. So I was kind of in the perfect age gla- age bracket for to be nostalgic for those eras. And speaking of setting people on fire, the month after the WrestleMania match between the two, they had the famous Inferno match where the ring was surrounded by fire. And at the time, like it seemed like a really cool thing, but... Watching back, you can see like Kane go under the ring. You can see him come out. You can see he's got a sleeve on his arm. It's like the fireproof material. Yeah, it was one. It was one of those sounds really good. Yeah, uh, you know, in yeah. on paper looks really crappy. Yeah. in real life because you could very much see it. They actually did do another uh, Inferno match, the two of them, which Undertaker also won. I believe in that one, Kane missed a boot on the outside, and this boot caught on fire. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they did do a rematch. Inferno um, match between the two a few years later. The they did um, eventually team up together too, though, in the Attitude Era. They defeated Edge and Christian to win their first WWF yep. tag belts uh, before losing them to the two-man power trip of Triple H and Steve Austin, which is a pretty big match right there. Uh, and they've teamed up other times as well, obviously. And I'll talk a little bit about their other teaming ups. After this next song, this is Depeche Mode, Policy of Truth, on RIFreeRadio.org.
right, we are back here on rifreeradio.org. That was Depeche Mode with Policy of Truth. And I was actually planning on playing that song a couple of episodes ago, but I ran out of time. Uh, I was planning on playing it because I had seen the documentary, the Spirits in the Forest documentary that they did about Depeche Mode and some of their fans, which was pretty cool. I will recommend that if you get a chance to see it. And uh, now they're going to be going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so I figured, hey, I'll play it. Which uh, did it did uh, seeing that class of uh, 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? It did kind of make me think which is less credible, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the <laughs> WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame? There, it's a neck and neck <laughs> race yeah, at this point. Yeah. T- yeah, I mean, I think um, when you got like Whitney Houston and people like that going in, I think um, Chaka Khan. Yeah, our good friend Deadly Dan put it best. It's not the Music Hall of Fame; it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. Which I gotta say. Um, that's a little bit hypocritical of me because I did earlier say it's pretty cool that Jushin Liger might be going in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, but you can take that back. If, uh, you, if you bribe Tony enough, he can delete that from the, <laughs> from the podcast. Strike it from the record. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'll, I'll, I said it. I'll let it stay there. Well, I guess like you, you, technically, technically you're on solid ground because the WWE does own all the WCW stuff. They bought WCW at that point. That he is true. A member, of, yeah. That is true, and he, Liger was on one NXT Takeover show as well, so he has official WWE history too. Right. Harder to explain for the WWE Hall of Fame is Mike Tyson and Donald Trump. Yeah, or as I mentioned earlier, Pete Rose as well. Pete yeah. Rose, yeah. Who's basically in there because he'll never be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> I don't think he sees this as much consolation. I really <laughs> don't. Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get back to the Undertaker and Kane stuff. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some of their tag matches, a few of them. But then after that, I'll have to actually jump back to the early days of their uh, feud because there's a couple things in my uh, chronic scatterbrainedness I forgot to mention. But I do want to mention them. Since I mentioned Kane attacking Crush earlier, which basically led to Crush leaving the WWF, it actually played in, although they didn't acknowledge it. When Chronic came in to take them on during the WWE invasion angle, which was absolutely one of the worst matches ever, <laughs> uh, Undertaker and Kane against Brian Adams and Brian Clark, a.k.a. Crush and Adam Bomb, previously in WWF. It was actually one of those rare matches that was so bad that they pretty much got fa- fired uh, Chronic right after that. <laughs> it was their one-night appearance. They um, brought Crush back to, train, to help train in OVW a little bit after that. But, yeah, they were not seen on TV as wrestlers ever again after that, at least not in WWE. Just like Buff Bagwell. Yeah. Right out the door. Yeah. Well, with him, it was literally they kicked his ass (laughs) right out the door (laughs) at the end of Monday Night Raw, and you never saw him again. So previously in the Invasion uh, storyline, two of them, both the WWF and WCW tag titles simultaneously, uh, which included them defeating uh, in one of the stupider matches i would say which you wouldn't necessarily sound stupid if you hear what it was it was the undertaker and kane against ddp and canyon in a cage match but when you see how much of a squash that actually was that's pretty stupid and it was kind of the culmination of the angle where the where ddp was stalking the undertaker's wife which was another really stupid one it wasn't necessary it wasn't necessary yeah no i mean ddp the guy's got a legit playboy playmate wife at home 
was hot as hell back then at least i don't know i haven't seen any recent pictures of her but at the time she was way hotter than undertaker's wife sarah <laughs> for me the thing about that feud that gave it away was i think at that point in time ddp was the only person in the entire world that was still wearing those guest jeans with the little triangle <laughs> on the back he used to always wrestle in them in wcw so when he came over to wwe they showed one foot one uh, thing where he was setting up a camera and he was dressed in all black and he goes in front of the camera and you see just that little triangle on his jeans and it's like, oh, it's DDP. <laughs> and sure enough, a few minutes later, when he came in the ring, he unmasked it's DDP. But yeah, that was, um, well, just, I'm not going to say that, that word. It was a crappy, almost said a no-no word, but I caught myself. It was a crappy way to... And a crappy angle, that squash tag match. Well, I think a lot of that was Vince McMahon. He was really, the original plan, if you remember, was for Vince to buy WCW. They were going to keep that as a going venture. Yeah, it was actually the Buff Bagwell Booker T match, which was part of what killed it. Just how crappy. That that, that was, it was, yeah. And I think when Vince saw that. Yeah. He just said, in other words, this isn't worth, I can't save this. Yeah, not only that, too, he couldn't get most of the big stars to come over because they would, he would have to pay them way too much. They were waiting out their contracts. Right. And I know we talked about it before, but wasn't there some kind of weird thing where some people had a contract with WCW and some people had a contract with Ted Turner and... Yeah, I think that was actually um, the truth. Some of the bigger stars had contracts more directly with Ted Turner and not just with World Championship Wrestling. Well, well, they would have had to, right? Because if, well, actually it depends on the circumstances. If WCW actually went bankrupt or broke before Vince bought it, but that wasn't the case. I, it, it was still ongoing when he bought it, right? Yeah, the bankruptcy hearings were ongoing. All right, uh, then, yeah, then that's why he would, I think he would have been responsible for those contracts. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to, um, it was AOL um, Time Warner that was paying the contracts, but... Uh, the thing is, too, DDP is one of the few big stars himself and Booker T really being the only big stars, unless you consider Buff Bagel a big star. <laughs> I don't the, think, no, a big not on this unit, no. not in this planet. They're no. the only big stars from WCW that actually took the pay cut to come over to WWE. And it was actually DDP's dream to be in WWE. And to see the way they treated him, it was just pretty sad because he was still, he wasn't young at the time, but he could still go. He still had a lot left to give. To the business. Yeah, it's almost like they Vince took it out on him for his disappointment with the other guys who really yeah. didn't deserve it. Yeah. Um, one more uh, tag match that I want to mention. Um, of course, with these big Saudi Arabia shows, they bring in a lot of the older guys. The actual last time they teamed up with each other was at the Super Showdown, uh, or not Super Showdown, uh, the Crown Jewel pay-per-view a couple of years back. It was Undertaker and Kane against Triple H and Shawn Michaels, the original DX. Um, not as sad as the match with Goldberg, but <laughs> definitely not um, those guys in their prime anymore. That's one of the sad things about seeing those Saudi Arabia shows is seeing how far, uh, and it's not really their fault at their ages, how far some of uh, the past heroes have right. fallen from their glory days. Although someone like Goldberg was never really that good even in his glory days, but definitely Undertaker. Kane, I've definitely seen better days, and DX as well. Just the just the travel must be painful for them at that age. Yeah, out to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, at least them going. If you're a big star, you're gonna get something important. Imagine being like Rey Mysterio and flying all the way over there just to get your yeah. ass kicked in the back. <laughs> that must have really sucked. 
uh, actually a couple more team uh, stuff that I want to mention that I just remembered. Uh, one, I had been out of the loop for WWE for a few years. I kind of it grew stale in around the mid 2000s, early 2010s. It kind of grew stale for a while. But actually, it was uh, Team Hell No Era uh, where they were feuding with The Shield, which is uh, Daniel Bryan and Kane feuding against The Shield. That kind of brought me back in. And one of my first matches that I saw coming back was Undertaker teaming with them. So you had the Brothers of Destruction and Team Hell No United against The Shield, which was pretty badass at the time. Um, And that kind of, it helped draw me back into WWE. A couple things to mention, too. Um, Jumping back to the beginning, I can't believe I forgot this. Kane's first debut when he came out at Bad Blood, which we were even talking about before the show started. Yeah, I was was waiting for that. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. Yeah, that's a... That's a pretty big moment, yeah. I do apologize. My brain is kind of... um, I haven't actually been hit by steel chairs, but I feel like I must have been hit by something at some point. You you were struck by them in spirit. Yes. (laughs) You were struck by one of the Undertaker's lightning bolts. Yes, probably. (laughs) My brain is a little bit permanently scatterbrained. I will will say, too, that the... uh, Hell in the Cell match between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels was one of the best Hell in the Cell yeah. matches, too. The original to one. To this day. Yeah. And, of course, it's got the great call as he's coming down to the ring. That's gotta be! That's gotta be Kane! <laughs> one of the classic all-time sound bites in wrestling history. And Kane, he actually ripped the door off the Hell in a Cell uh, and choke slammed the Undertaker inside, hmm. uh, gave him the tombstone, which led to Shawn Michaels winning that match. Uh, the first ever Hell in a Cell. All right, we're going to get down to a little music, and when we come back uh, for the last portion of the show, I'll talk about The Undertaker and Kane redoing their rivalry around the time of WrestleMania 20. Uh, But let's go down to this. This is actually an unused theme song that The Undertaker... It was made for The Undertaker. It was a Jim Johnston song. Uh, He's never used it, but it's actually pretty cool and a little beautiful, actually. So let's listen to that now, and we will be back.
Alright, we are back, and that was a special theme song for The Undertaker, which has not been used. Although, who knows? WWE does own it, so they may use it someday. And we got a few more minutes before I have to head to the last song. So, I would like to talk about The Undertaker and Kane a few years after their original feud, kind of rekindling it. And if you remember The Undertaker's American Badass era, which... Had a few good moments, but it was kind of a low point of his career, especially when he had the Limp Bizkit rolling <laughs> theme song. Uh, although, I do got to say, uh, next time, as I said, I will be talking about all things comedy, wrestling, silliness, and wrestling. But the next time in the Undertaker series, which will be several times, you know, several episodes down the line, whenever, basically whenever I feel like doing it, uh, I will actually talk about the American badass era of the Undertaker. But Kane actually had a pretty big hand in that coming to an end. It was a buried alive match between The Undertaker and Vince McMahon, of all people. And Kane came out, turned on The Undertaker again, which led to Vince winning. So, yes, Vince McMahon does have a win over The Undertaker. <laughs> but that did lead to the really cool thing. And I think not everyone was expecting that it would be this, although I was. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, ah, oh, they better not screw this up and just have him come back as the biker. They better not screw this up. But I was actually in the crowd at Madison Square Garden when The Undertaker made his big return with, of course, the classic pole bearer. Oh, yes! <laughs> Which uh, is another one of those just classic, amazing sound bites of wrestling history and all the druids. And it was just amazing. And when Kane came out for that match, he actually had a um, the visual on the screen behind him, made it look like New York City was on fire, which is a pretty neat little visual as well for a much smaller stage, obviously, in Madison Square Garden. But they had their little match there. Uh, the Undertaker won, obviously. Um, and it was a pretty cool little moment. All right, so... We are very, very low on time. We only got uh, a few minutes left. So I think I will throw to the last song. Uh, this is... Hey, we opened up talking about a big red machine. Why don't we close out talking about a small purple people eater? Why not? <laughs> it's a classic Makes song. Makes sense to me. <laughs> it's a classic from way, way back. It's Sheb Woolley with Purple People Eater on rrifreeradio.org. And we'll catch you all next time. Well, I saw the thing coming out of the sky It had a one long heart and one big eye I commenced to shake and then I said, ooh-wee It looked like a purple people leader to me It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leader A one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leader Sure looks strange to me Well, he came down to earth and he lit in a tree I said, Mr. Purple People Eater, don't eat me I heard him say in a voice so gruff I wouldn't eat you cause you're so tough It was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater One-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater Sure looks strange to me I said, Mr. Purple People Eater, what's your line? He said, I eat me purple people and it sure is fine. But that's not the reason that I came to land. I want to get a job in a rock and roll band. Well, bless my soul, rock and roll, flying purple people eater. Pigeon toad, undercoat, flying purple people eater. 
friendly little people leader. What a sight to see. And then he swung from the tree and he laid on the ground. And he started to rock, oh, really rocking around. It was a crazy ditty with a swinging tune. Sing a pot, tap a poop, a lap, a loom, bam, boom. Well, bless my soul, rock and roll, flying purple people. Through the horn in his head. Hey, Joe. Not right now, man. Can't you see I'm working? I'll talk to you later. <sighs> I have no one to turn to. Mom's sick, dad left, Tom doesn't have any time anymore, he'd all be better off without me. This is the first lie you tell to yourself, along with, I'm such a burden, or I don't have a purpose in life. The truth is, is that every person you make contact with has an impact, like saying, hi, how's your day, or what's wrong. Your impact can leave a positive or negative effect. A negative impact can be, why are you sitting with us, or get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. If you're contemplating suicide because of bullying, call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, the number is 1-800-273-8255.